let's bow our heads in prayer. Our dear God and Father in heaven, we praise you and we worship you for you are a great and awesome God. We thank you for the privilege we have to be gathered together once again. We thank you for how you have fed us through the morning service, through Sunday school, in partaking of the Lord's Supper, through fellowship, and now we come back together to worship. We are grateful for what we have already learned. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with one another in what you are doing in our lives and to be mutually encouraged. We thank you that we have experienced your presence here this morning. And we do ask now, Lord, that you would meet with us once again. Would you continue with us as we worship you and meet together this afternoon? We remember this congregation. We think of the many needs represented here. We look to you as a needy people. Lord, we need you more and more every hour. We think of those in our midst who are unwell. Think of those um, who are healing. We think of Brother Fonzo, and we are grateful for the positive news about his surgery, that he can be here with us today. Pray that your hand of healing would continue to be upon him as you strengthen him and grant him full recovery after surgery. Think of our needs as individuals, of the families represented here. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to be with us, be with us in our material needs, but also spiritually. We pray that you would give us all that we need to follow you and, and to lead those under our care to follow you. We commit the mission of this church into your hands. We thank you for the number of missionaries that are supported through this church, the number of churches that are supported. We pray that you would continue to bless this church with more. Thank you for the ways in which this church has continued to give to those in need. And we think of the missions that have been supported, and even most recently with APC. We pray that you would bless us more, that we may be able to give more to your kingdom and your work. And we think of Pastor Tiago and his church in Portugal. We pray, Lord, that you would be with them as they continue uh, with this project of um, renovating the third floor of the building, that the seminary may be able to meet there. And we ask that you would help us as a church to give towards this cause. We also pray, Lord, uh, for those in our midst who the mothers who are expecting, we pray that you would continue to be with them and that you would grant them a healthy and safe pregnancy and that the children would be born and be added into our midst. We thank you for the many children represented here in this church. We pray for each one of them and their salvation and that you would be raising them uh, to know you even at a young and tender age. Now, Lord, as we turn to your word, we come to it expectant. We pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your word. Won't you quieten our hearts? Won't you remove distractions and help us to focus upon your word? Be with me as I speak, that I would not err, but that I would speak your truth. 
And we pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, please turn with me in your copy of God's Word to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. I feel like I need to apologize because last time I came, I, I gave a, a little device of how you cannot get confused when I come up and preach from Philippians and I said, P is for Prashant and P is for Philippians, but I'm preaching from John this afternoon. Well, all I can say is this is not the evening service and so there is method behind the madness. Uh, to keep the series in the evening, uh, I'll be preaching from John um, this afternoon, but there is more to that uh, than that little story. So in John chapter 6, we'll be considering verses 26 to 29. Uh, I will read a few more verses just to help us appreciate the context. But what we see here in John chapter 6 is one of the famous miracles where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Uh, at the beginning of chapter 6, we read about the narrative where this takes place. And soon after that, uh, Jesus crosses, he walks on the water. So these two miracles that have taken place are very significant. And following that, we see that the crowds go after Jesus. They go after Jesus seeking to find where he has gone. And that is where our verses find us. So as we read these verses together, I want us to see that we ought to invest in eternity. We ought to invest in eternity. And this is precisely what Jesus tells the crowds who are following him. So John chapter 6, verses 25 to 29. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Here ends our reading. And so as I was thinking about what I would preach on this afternoon, uh, I was considering the context within which I would be preaching. We would have come together in the morning service. Uh, some of us have been here since Sunday school. Uh, we sat through Sunday school. We sat in the worship service. We partook of the Lord's Supper, and we had a fellowship meal together. And now what stands between us and the beginning of a new week, as it were, is this sermon. And so thinking about that, I, I thought, what would be the most helpful for us to be thinking about as we go back into the world? Not that we are removed from the world, but as we come here to worship on Sundays, we do leave behind all the cares of this world. We're able to set aside all the things that we are busy with the rest of the week, and we come here solely to worship our God. And depending on what your context is of what you are going back to, you may not be looking forward to your week. You may be thinking about all the busyness, all the things that will call for your attention during the week. You may even be filled with some kind of sadness. You don't want this to end. You want to remain in God's house with God's people worshiping him. So as we go back 
to what we must do, what we are called to do. This is my encouragement, as I've already said, that we should invest in eternity. This does not have to end here. We are not leaving God behind, as it, as it were. We are going back, having been encouraged, having been refreshed, we must go back and do what God has called us to do, whether we are students, whether we are at home, as mothers, as whether we go to work, uh, regardless of where you're at, uh, you must carry God with you in a sense as you continue uh, in your calling. And so as we look at this passage of scripture, I want us to see that we must invest in eternity, like I already mentioned, we must invest in eternity because the things of this world are perishing. We must invest in eternity because Jesus truly satisfies. And we must invest in eternity, thirdly, by believing in Jesus Christ. So invest in eternity because the things of this world are perishing. Invest in eternity because Jesus truly satisfies. And thirdly, invest in eternity by believing in Jesus Christ. As I mentioned a bit about the context, this crowd has followed Jesus. They've crossed over the sea to go to be with Jesus because they have seen this miracle. And they discover when they arise in the morning that Jesus is no longer there with them. He has crossed over to the other side, as we are told there in verse 22. And so seeking him, they get into boats and they go across to the other side of the sea. And when they get there, we, we read in verse 25, they find him and they ask him this question, Rabbi, when did you come here? And that's where we see Jesus answering them. He doesn't actually answer the question that they pose. He doesn't tell them when he came there, but he tells them, he gets to the heart of the issue and he answers them there. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Jesus, being the great teacher that he was, is able to see beyond their question. He sees the real reason why they are uh, following him. And as he brings out uh, from verse 26, he says to them, you are seeking me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. And then he goes on to tell them not to work for the food that perishes. So we want to spend a bit of time on the first aspect as we think about the food that perishes. We should invest in eternity because the things of this world are perishing. And what Jesus is saying there in verse 26 when he addresses the heart of the issue is that yes, they saw the miracles. Some of these people probably even ate the bread that was provided for them and the fish. They saw the miracle, but they missed what it was pointing to. And we know that through John's Gospels, he refers to the miracles that Jesus performs as signs. Signs are supposed to point to a greater reality. And so the main point of the miracle that Jesus performed wasn't that he is the new baker, that everybody should go and get bread from him. But they missed the point, right? They missed the point. He provides the bread pointing to a greater reality, thinking about the manna that God provided in the wilderness, Jesus identifies with God, Yahweh, who brought down manna for the people to eat. And so they should have been thinking, we are eating bread once again miraculously. The Messiah is here. So this miracle was supposed to point them to the reality of his true identity. 
but they totally miss that and they have come to him like he says there in verse 26 because they ate and were full they were satisfied by the loaves but Jesus corrects them he doesn't send them away and say I know your motives there's no more bread for you go back home he takes he takes this opportunity to get to the heart of these people he gets to their heart and shows them that what they are chasing after the bread perishes but there is food that he has which does not perish the things of this world pass away and isn't it interesting that this bread that was miraculously provided by Jesus himself still found them hungry the next morning just like the manna in the desert they had enough for one day but the next day they needed to eat again and it's interesting that Jesus is using this moment speaking about loaves of bread food is something that is essential to our existence we need to eat we need to eat to have strength we need to eat to be able to stay alive if we went hungry for a prolonged period of time we would die so it's interesting that Jesus is using bread something that is so basic to correct our understanding that we should not work for the bread that perishes now some translations say do not labor for bread that perishes and I think that captures more of the sense here because again the scriptures tell us uh, in 2nd Thessalonians chapter 3 that he who does not work should not eat so Jesus is not saying that we shouldn't work so that we can eat but he's rather saying that we should not labor we should not chase after the things of this world to the point that they become idols and and brother Thomas has been preaching about this from Matthew chapter 6 uh, verse 19 we should lay up treasures in heaven and not in this world where things can destroy them where they perish and so Jesus is calling their attention to not labor and I think that's the important point to take from this verse is that we should not chase after the things which perish because they are perishing specifically as we see in this verse so we must invest in eternity because the things of this world are perishing like Jesus tells us in verse 27 but we must also invest in eternity because Jesus truly satisfies look with me back at verse 27 Jesus says do not work for the food that perishes but for the food that endures to eternal life which the son of man will give to you Jesus draws this contrast he draws this contrast with the bread which you eat one day and you need the next in fact you need it again the same day depending on how many meals you eat every day you know that after one meal you get hungry again at the next and you can't uh, stuff yourself to a point that you will no longer be needing that food again later on in the day no matter how much you eat you may feel uncomfortable you may feel unwell if you overeat but come dinner time you're going to want something else to eat you'll get hungry again but Jesus is telling them about this food which will not perish this food which the son of man will give to them and so obviously the question comes what is this food that Jesus will provide I'm glad you asked as you continue through this passage Jesus very plainly in several verses speaks about this bread but most clearly if we look at verse 35 Jesus says I am the bread of life whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst 
If we look out throughout this passage, if you go on to verse 41, 48, 50, there are several other occurrences in this passage where Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life. Jesus points back to Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 and 2. And um, I'm just going to turn there because it's an important uh, passage for us to consider. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1 and 2. Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Jesus uses the moment, coming back to John chapter 6 and verse 27, Jesus uses this moment to teach them about himself. He teaches them that if they eat of him, they will not perish. They will not lack again. Earlier on in John, again, chapter 4, when Jesus is speaking to the woman by the well, he talks about the living water that he will give to her. The living water, which if she drinks of it, she will never thirst, and that she herself will become a fountain of living water. What Jesus is referring to here is believing in him is that if you come to believe in Jesus Christ, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he truly will satisfy you. And that when you invest in Jesus Christ, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that this food will, will last to eternity. If you look back at verse 27, he says, for the food, I'm sorry, Looking back at verse 27, he says, but for the food that endures to eternal life, speaking about the food he will give them, going on there, he says, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. And so as, as I showed us, the other verses that John is going to talk about and expanding upon what Jesus says about himself, he is the bread of life. And that only those who feed upon him will have life in him. So those who have not trusted in Jesus Christ are dead in their trespasses and sins. Only those who feed upon Jesus Christ will have life eternally and will live with God forever. So if you're not a Christian here today, I want you to think about this. The things of this world that we spend so much time chasing after, the things that we spend our energy is over. Those things are passing away. Those things will not satisfy you. They just give you temporal satisfaction. Just as bread fills you up for one meal, but you have to go back to it. But there is one who satisfies. Jesus Christ. He is good and he calls you in to come. But it doesn't end there. Even if you're a Christian, we must continue going back to Jesus Christ. We need to feed on him daily. And that's what we did this afternoon when we came to the Lord's table. We ate of the bread and we drank the cup, the body of Jesus and his blood that was spilled for us. And so in the Lord's Supper, we have the opportunity to come and to partake and to testify that we indeed have come to believe in him. It's a visual representation of the gospel. 
as our confession says in chapter 30, verse 7, this is the Lord's Supper, and that those who eat of it in a worthy manner receive the graces contained therein. And so we must feed upon Jesus Christ daily, not just when we become Christians, but we must continue feeding upon him. And that takes me to my third point. Invest in eternity by believing in Jesus Christ. Invest in eternity by believing in Jesus Christ. Look with me at the rest of our verses. The people respond to him and they say, what must we do, verse 28, to, to be doing the works of God? This is interesting. Though the crowds have come and they are, they are asking Jesus these questions and he's already told them that he will give them this food, notice that they're still stuck on what they must do. Jesus has told them that he will give them the bread and that God has set the seal upon him, talking about God authenticating Jesus as the Messiah, the promised Messiah. And yet the crowds still ask the question, what must we do? Isn't that our human tendency? That when we come to God, when we come to the gospel, we want to ask the question, but what do I have to do? We want a part that we have to play. But we know that our salvation is all of grace. That God paid it all and he calls us to trust in him. There is nothing that we can contribute to our sins except this. There's nothing that we can contribute to our salvation, I'm sorry, except our sins. So there's nothing that we do to save ourselves. Then Jesus answers and says to them, verse 29, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Jesus answers them that what they need to do, what the work of God is to believe in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And as I was, as I was building on this point earlier on, this believing, yes, it talks about coming to faith in Jesus Christ, but we need to trust in Jesus, trust and obey every hour, every moment of our lives. And so it doesn't end when we become Christians, when we come into the fold, as it were, but it consists in an ongoing feeding upon the flesh of Jesus Christ and drinking of his blood that was spilt for you and for me. So that's my question to you. Are you feeding on Jesus Christ daily? Are you spending time with the Lord? Are you spending time in the word? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you spending time in communion with him? As Jesus said, unless you eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, you have no life in you. And so if you are feeling spiritually dry and dull and worn out, may it be that you are not communing with the Lord Jesus Christ. We need him. We need him if we are going to continue growing and continue being effective for the gospel. And the only way we can do that is if we feed on the gospel daily. The gospel is not just some rudimentary doctrine that brings us into, into the church, as it were, but it is the very lifeblood by which we must continue living as Christians. So, brothers and sisters, we have seen this afternoon that we must invest in eternity because the things of this world are perishing. We must invest in eternity because Jesus Christ truly satisfies. And we must invest in eternity by believing in him. Let us pray.
Our God and our Father in heaven, we thank you for this reminder that we have from your word. We are grateful that Jesus Christ gave himself for us on the cross, that through the finished work of Jesus Christ, we are reconciled to him. We pray that if there is anyone here, we think particularly of the little ones, that you would draw them to yourself, that the seed of the gospel may be planted in their hearts at a young age, but that you would also strengthen us in the inner man, that we may follow you all the days of our lives. We pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.